Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. nothing worse than standing up here awkwardly to the side going, I came up too early, and he just laughs at me, which is the worst part, and so uh, I'm glad he was here. Um, You can go ahead and turn your Bibles, Luke chapter 4. I can't emphasize strongly enough what you just heard from Mark. This is the time of, of church where we really get a lot of things up and rolling. If you miss the next month, you're going to miss the start of everything, everything, okay? So don't come back in September with a sob story. Uh, No. All right, so I mean, this Wednesday, we're praying for our next semester. We're praying for our teachers, for our school leaders, uh, uh, students as they go back in. Uh, Next Sunday morning, we are baptizing. Then uh, our children are promoting into their next grade. They'll meet their new teachers, all of that type of thing. Uh, Then we're starting students on the 17th, and then we're signing up for groups a few weeks after that. We're having serve opportunities because, frankly, we have so many children we don't know what to do with, uh, which is awesome. I love that. Uh, Then we are going to three services in uh, September 11th. I I know you're like, "Uh, whatever. Free t-shirt Sunday, September 11th, the same day. You're like, oh, there you go. So, uh, but so many things are are happening. And so I want to go ahead and be reminding you of what our new service times will be. So you're uh, preparing for that. Three services, put that slide up there, are going to be uh, 8.15, 9.45, and 11.11. And really and truly, I need you in this service uh, preparing. I need as many of you as possible to uh, come to the early service. Uh, some of you are early risers, fantastic. Some of you have a lot of things going on. But one of the things I need you doing is coming to this service to make room in the new services as we get into the fall. We will fill up. And uh, so for you to come to that early service, and if you can stay and serve in the second uh, service, that's even better. But for you to have, for us to have room. So 815, 945, and 1111 are when our service times are going to be. So, uh, before I go into a new series and and all the things that are happening, I spent last week and then this week uh, telling you, these are the things that Jesus taught me over my break. These are the things that he really emphasized and and wanted to show me. And so, uh, I started praying through, I prayed through books of the Bible in my my prayer time, and I started praying through the gospel of Luke, um, which is great gospel, but it was a weird time to start, honestly, because the first three chapters of Luke are the Christmas story, and it's 100 degrees outside. I mean, we haven't even we haven't even hit pumpkin spice weather yet, yeah, you know. And I'm praying through, so that was a little bit different. And then we came to this sermon in Luke chapter four, and uh, I have a sermon. I used to travel and preach, and so you have those sermons that you repeat over. And I have a sermon on this text that I preached so many times that uh, it's like second hat to me. And as I was praying through that, though, the Lord showed me some things I'd never seen in this text. And I've, I've read. There's no telling how many times I've read and prayed and preached through this text. One of the things I love about the Bible is how deep it is. You can read the most familiar text in the world, the one you've had memorized since you were a child, I guarantee you, God will show you something new that you need for your life through that. And so he did that with me. So today we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus 
but primarily through the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit is the very first thing that you're going to see in just a moment. God filled Jesus, the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about what it looks like to be under the power and control of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to start out, uh, quite honestly, with dispelling one myth about the Holy Spirit. Because frankly, some of you, when you heard that I was preaching on the Holy Spirit, you're like, it's about to get crazy up in here. All right, that's what, all right. Um, and, and here's the myth, and I want to dispel this just right away, and I want to say it in strong language because it is biblical. All right, I want to dispel the myth that getting filled with or being full of the Holy Spirit makes you act weird. That's a myth. It's not true. Makes you run around and be crazy. That's not biblical. It's not what happens in the text. And frankly, it's easily imitated if that was it. When you find the Holy Spirit filling you, you find God doing extraordinary things, wonderful things. Not things that someone like me, I I know you probably wouldn't believe this unless you're one of my good friends, but I'm not the kind of guy that wants to be in front of people. You're like, well, you picked the wrong job. Uh, So, I'm not, you go to a party with me, I'm over in the corner. I'm not that guy. So, when I see people calling attention to themselves, that I don't want that. That's not who I am. That's not what I want to be. But every time you see the Holy Spirit filling people, there are people, ooh, I want him. I want him in my life. There's something that he's doing here that's, that's really and truly engaging. So we're going to look at being filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you have preconceived notions, my, my uh, just ad- admonition to you is to look at the text and what God does because it's so much better than just running around. Anyone can do that. This is the power of God. All right? So Luke chapter 4 Keep your Bibles open because we're going to go back and forth into the text. And also, I'm going to preach this like systematic theology. And so, uh, systematic theology is taking, you're going to see all of the things I'm talking about implied in this text, but I'm going to show you other texts that explicitly state what it is. So, you're going to have a lot of scripture. So, if you're a note taker, just write down the, the, the reference. Don't try to write down the whole verse. You'll never get them all, okay? Your hand will cramp. You'll have to tap out, all right? So, a lot, a lot, a lot of verses today. So, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Say, Jesus left the Jordan, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. That's the main idea. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing uh, during those days, so he's fasting. And when they were over, he was hungry. And so, I want us to look at this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, what it is, how to have it, how to have the Holy Spirit in your life, and then also what it does in our life. So, I'm going to give you a lot of examples from this this text. So, let me give you a a definition. Uh, To be filled with the Spirit means you have the presence, the power, the activity of God the Spirit. So, He is there in your life. And he is powerful and real. He is working. He's activity. He's not in the backgrounds where you're like, I know he's there, but I don't, I don't know what he does. No, he's, he's active in your life. That's, that's what full of the Spirit means. And so we see that throughout this story. So, um, first set of scriptures that is so important to get a good foundation of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. So, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. How do you get the Holy Spirit? Let's look at it. In him, that's Christ, you're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. How? You hear the word of truth, which is the gospel, and you believe. 
When do we get the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity? We hear the gospel of Christ, that Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you, that he was buried in the tomb, that his, the sins of the world were put upon him, and that he was resurrected on Easter Sunday. You hear that story, and then you believe it. You bring him into your life for yourself. And what happens? The Holy Spirit comes in you, and he seals you. If you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. If you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit, regardless if it was a dramatic experience or a very normal, didn't really feel that way. You have the Holy Spirit the moment that you are saved. He's given to us. But then Ephesians, which is written to people in the church, by the way, not just pastors. So Ephesians 5, uh, what is it, 8 or 18? Yeah, 18. So it says, don't get drunk with wine. The Baptists really, really hit on that. Uh, so which leads to reckless living. But we never hear, I, I grew up Baptist, we never hear about the second part. They're like, oh, let's just do the first part. Don't get drunk with wine. What about filling with the Holy Spirit? We don't talk about that. All right, so, so it's an example. The idea here is absolutely don't be drunk with wine. But the idea is an example for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is interesting, and you need to think about this. The Bible says when you get saved, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But then, in the same book, a little bit later, it says, but make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is one of those times when the Greek language really, really helps us and, and the, to understand this first. Because, first of all, this is a command. When he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he is commanding us. So, if you don't do it, it is a sin. So he's not just saying, hey, you might want to try this. It seems kind of like it would work. He's saying, you need to do this. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit when you are saved, but now you need to be filled. And the second part of it is, is it's a continuous action. You need to be filled today and filled tomorrow and filled for this assignment and filled for these problems that you have and filled for this moment that you need him. It is a continuous action of being filled. So we have the Holy Spirit at our salvation, but we are filled and controlled with the Holy Spirit moment by moment and day by day when we acknowledge Him and follow Him in our lives. And He gives us an example. If you've ever been around someone who is drunk, they are different than when they are when they are sober. The Bible says this is reckless living. They say things they would never say. They do things. They, they don't think through. Uh, you know, we talk about you, if you are caught drinking and driving, it's under the influence. And so that's a person who's very different because of the influence of alcohol in their life. And the Bible says that's how we ought to be, but in the Spirit. That we ought to say, you know what? You're becoming more like Jesus. You're under the influence of Jesus. I hear you talking about things. Now, instead of reckless living, it is holy living. I hear you saying things and doing things that are very different than the old person that I used to know. You're being filled with the Holy Spirit. He is guiding and relating to you and showing your life. And again, it is not this weird, um, uh, charismatic, ecstatic experience where you run around. That's easy to do. And frankly, most of us don't need to be any more weird than we already are. Uh, we, we need, you know, God going, no, they got it. All right. So, so, so what is it? It is this action of being under the influence of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let me give you four word pictures about what it looks like and what it means to be filled with the Spirit. These are the same uh, word pictures that you would have in your salvation experience, but I'm going I'm to visually demonstrate them for you. So four word pictures about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The first word picture is this, kneel. 
kneel. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit only when you kneel to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you, the, the word is to yield to his authority. To say, you are superior than I. I kneel to you in submission to your will. I kneel to you in reverence and awe of who you are. And my life is knelt in the authority of Jesus Christ under the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a beautiful word picture. And so I've been thinking through this verse since, and, and trying to practice this uh, since the Lord showed me a few weeks ago. And so, uh, what I've started doing is just going through my life, and I kneel in my life, like just the big overarching things. It, here's the season I am. Here's what's going on. And then, and then I go through the individual elements of my life. God, I kneel to your authority in my uh, marriage. I kneel to your authority in my job at River Valley. I kneel to your authority. I want to do what you want with my time, with my attention, with my money. God, I kneel to you, and I just go through the areas of my life and the places of my life and the people of my life. And God, I kneel to you in these areas. I am totally submissive to you. And, and everything, that's the lordship of Jesus, that Jesus, you get it all. And it's this fresh reminder that God wants us, not just on Sunday morning, God has plans for us tomorrow morning as we go to work. God has thoughts for us Friday night when we hang out with our friends. He has authority in every area. So the first picture is kneel. Second word picture, I want you to do it with me. I want you to put your hand right here in the middle of your chest. And on the count of three, we're going to take a deep breath, and we're going to hold it for just a second. And then when I do it, you do it. I want you to exhale, but I want you to exhale vigorously. I want you to just get all the air that you can out, okay? Uh, if you've been drinking lots of coffee, you might want to do it in the air. Uh, so, all right, so here we go. So, ready? Deep breath. Hold it. Exhale. That's the second word picture. Exhale. Exhale where we bring in good, fresh, oxygen, that word, uh, air, okay? <laughs> I knew the first time I messed it up, I was like, I'm not getting it on the second. All right, so air with oxygen. And, uh, and then it, it replenishes in our blood and through our lungs, those areas. And what do we do? We exhale that uh, uh, air with so much more carbon dioxide. We get rid of that which would hurt us so that we can bring fresh into our lives. It's a great picture of us confessing sin and, and handing it to Jesus and saying, I don't want this anymore. I don't want that. I want something fresh and new in my life. But in order to have that, I've got to get rid of the old and the bad. And so I go through my life and I say, Holy Spirit, guide me. Where are the areas? What are the activities? What are the thoughts? What are the words? What are the deeds? Where have I gone? How have I acted that you need me to exhale? And the, and the Bible says we confess our sins. You tell Jesus, I said this, I did this, I went here, this was my thought process. And you go through it with him and you get rid of those things in your life. And it's a wonderful activity. Honestly, some of you, some of you, maybe grew up with very tense relationships, and when you messed up, you know, a parent or someone, you know, coach or something really came down on you, and frankly, you're going to find the most exhilarating experience when you go through this with Jesus, just you and Him. You're going to find His grace and His mercy. 
you're going to find, I'm so glad I did that because I feel lighter. I walk taller. I just, God, God just forgives me. And, and, and it's not like he just says, this is no big deal. But there's such power in just acknowledging, Jesus, I want to exhale all of those areas of my life that aren't of you. And so we kneel down and then we exhale. The third word picture is actually the one that's in the text. Jesus was full of the Spirit. The two main ideas, or one of the ways that we see the Holy Spirit most often in the Bible is in the picture of a dove or in the picture of water. So it's the predominant pictures that we see of him. And so to be filled with the Spirit, okay, now I've got this glass and it's empty and it's clean because I've exhaled. And so the Bible says he's full. He fills us up. See, now that there's nothing in there, God, God has some places in our lives where he wants to pour fresh and new in who he is. And he fills us up. The Bible says, if anyone's thirsty, he should come after me and drink. And streams of living water will flow out from him. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit. I'm thirsty. I need. I've, I've, I've followed my own path. And God says, let me fill you up. And I used a super cool river and valley mug to do it. Uh, so, uh, so that's the picture. Now, let me give you um, one, one saying about this before I give you the fourth word picture that's so important. It's this. Filling does not necessarily imply feeling. Being filled with the Holy Spirit does not imply that you're going to be, I feel different. I went through this exercise this morning, and you know what happened at the end? As far as what I could tell, Nothing. You know what happened according to the Bible? I was filled by faith with the Holy Spirit. It is not about how you feel. If you run your life on how you feel, you will miss out on what God has for you. The Bible is by faith we live by God, by faith. And so if I am saying, God, I want you to rule and reign in my life. I want to kneel to your authority. I want to exhale the sin of my life. I want you to fill me up. And the Bible says he's full of the Spirit and commands us to do it. It happened. It absolutely happened. It doesn't matter if you felt it or not. The Bible says, feel, or not the Bible, I say, uh, you know, feeling does not imply feeling. No, it has. I, I've seen people, I've seen people uh, very much overwhelmed with emotion, and I have had that in my life. But it's not normal. It's not every day. So be very, very careful. Fourth word picture is just this. I want you to close your eyes and imagine your life. Whatever comes to your mind. That's the picture. It's the word live. I'm filled by faith. Now I live for Christ. I go and I do what he wants me to do. So you can open your eyes. That's the picture. Whatever you saw is you living for Christ, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And what can God do in that? We sing it in the second song. It's really interesting. I wrote it this morning. God can do everything except for fail. God can do everything when you are controlled by him except fail. There is no failure in God's economy. But I want to list for you in the remaining times the things that we see in this text explicitly that God says he will do or he does with Jesus that he does with us. I'm going to show you other verses to, to uh, uh, make this authoritative of what God does when we are filled with him. So there's six areas that I want us to look at. The first one we already read. And it's, he was full of the Spirit. And then what happened? He was led by the Spirit. You think, what do I need to do? 
where do I need to go? I've got two job opportunities. Now, obviously, you know when it's good and evil, you're like, I should choose the good. But what when it's, I mean, frankly, honestly, more for us as Americans, is it's the opportunity. We have so many opportunities, which one should we take? We have so many things that we can do. Which one should, and the Bible says he was led by the Spirit. The Spirit told him where to go. So, John 16, 13 says, the Spirit of truth comes. What will he do? He will guide you into all truth. He will lead you. He's a guide. He doesn't just say, go over there. He goes in front of you. He goes with you. He says, watch out for this. Here it is. If you've ever uh, been on a wilderness uh, exploration and you hired a guide or you've been fishing and you hired a guide, they know where to go. They know what to do. He's going to lead us in that. Several years ago, we were up in Colorado, which wouldn't you love to have a a River Valley, uh, Colorado somewhere? I mean, I would, y- y'all would not see me in the summer. Uh, so, but we were up there and we rented a Jeep and we didn't know where to go to go jeeping. And he was, and so the guy says, here's, here's the trail. Here's the trail map. Here's where you should go. It's lots of fun. It's up and down. And then he said, and when you get to this point, stop, turn off your Jeep, get out, sit on the hood for a second, look to the left. And we were like, why? And he says, you'll see a moose. And we saw a moose, and we saw a cow. She had just had a baby. He was like, don't get close. Uh, so moose are mean. And uh, so, but we saw, why? Because the guide knew exactly where it was, exactly where it, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. So if you have major decisions ahead, the best thing that you can do is be filled with the Spirit so that He can lead you. So let's look now at verses 3 and 4 with Jesus. Remember, He's being tempted. So the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written, man must not live on bread alone. So think about what's happening here. He's 40 days of a fast. And, the, and Satan says, that's good enough. You should, you know, maybe just minutes away from him breaking his fast. But, but he has not received that authority. He's not received that word from God the Father. But Satan's like, it's enough. I mean, surely 40 days, that's enough. Just eat some bread. Just do it. And so the idea of what's happening here is this subtle recognition of temptation. If you're filled with the Spirit, there's going to be moments when you recognize temptation, even when they're subtle. Uh, think about it for a second. If I was going to come and I was going to tempt you, but my, my thought process was, I want to get you to really go off the deep end. I mean, very far away from your character. So I came up to you and I was like, hey, I got an idea. Let's go smoke some crack and kill people. Uh, you, you know, I mean, at least 90% of you would be like, I don't think I need to do that. Uh, you know, I don't think that seems really smart. The 10% of you that do it, man, welcome to River Valley. We're so glad you're here, you know. You know, you, you start living for Jesus, you'll probably be on staff someday. So, uh, so it's going to be great. So, so uh, you know, that, that's obvious. That's obvious. But what if it was just a slight deviation of, of your normal behavior? Just a, just a little bit off the, the path that you are on and should be on. That's what's happening here. He's about to eat bread. But it's just a few minutes early, and it's not time yet. And Satan's like, that's enough. That's enough. So you recognize temptation. I'm amazed at how some of the most vile sins in our world, uh, they don't, they don't, if you look at the end result, you miss out on how those people got there and how they, they did that. It was just this slow progression. 
And if we had the Holy Spirit, he'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go there. Don't do that. Let me show you John chapter 16, verse 8. When he comes, that's the Holy Spirit. What will he do? He'll convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Man, he'll show you. Don't do this. Let me show you where it's leading you. Let me show you what is happening. And let me show you how much it will take you away. And it will put you into the judgment of Christ. Don't go there. So it helps us. Uh, the Holy Spirit, number one, helps us to be led. Number two, helps us to recognize temptation. Let's read verses 5 through 12 next. So Satan took Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you the splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. So to worship, the temptation here is it's a whole lot easier to worship the devil than it is to go through the cross experience. But what does Jesus answer in verse 8? It is written, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. Verse 9, so he took him to Jerusalem. He had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will give his angels uh, orders concerning you to protect you. They will support you with their hands. They will not strike uh, your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, do not test the Lord your God. So two things that I want to show you from this verse. First of all, Jesus answers uh, Satan's temptations both times with scriptures. In fact, Satan twists some scriptures to, to tempt him, but Jesus answers with scripture. So when you are full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus will teach and remind you the Bible. Jesus will help you understand the Bible. It says that explicitly. John chapter 14 verse 26 says... No. <laughs> that would have been sweet if I could have done it. All right. So, all right, the counselor, so, so he calls himself a counselor. We're not even talking about that. So, it's another thing that the Holy Spirit does. But when the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, what does he do? He teaches you all things and reminds you of everything I've told you. He teaches the Bible. He reminds you of the Bible. Some of you are like, I don't understand the Bible. When you get saved and you ask the Holy Spirit to begin to help you, he begins to unfold Scripture and show you what he wants for your life. And then there'll be times, I guarantee you, every Christian who's been a Christian for a decade or more has had this happen multiple times. You're talking to someone about, and all of a sudden, a verse comes out of your mouth, and you're like, where did that come from? And it was so pertinent and helpful to the moment and the, the situation, and you're like, I don't know. I guarantee you, if you could go back in your whole life, there would have been a moment, a sermon, a Bible study, your own prayer life. You read that sermon, and the Holy Spirit says, ooh, we're going to need that in eight years, three months, 24 days, and six seconds. We're going to need, and he seals it in you, and he reminds you, and then it just comes out. The Bible promises that. He's going to teach you the Bible. He's going to remind you of the Bible when you need it, when you are with him. Also, uh, I want us to see that now Jesus not only recognizes temptation, but he overcomes temptation with the Bible himself. He, he overcomes that temptation. The Bible says no temptation has overcome, but what is common to man in Jesus gives you a way out of it. Your temptation is different than mine. But when I act like I don't have a temptation because I'm not tempted by your temptation, then I do myself a horrible disservice because I am tempted. I am absolutely tempted and sometimes fall to temptation. And when I am full of the Spirit, He helps me to recognize and overcome temptation. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. 
I say then, walk by the Spirit. So be full of the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. What happened? You'll certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. When we follow the promptings of the Spirit, when we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, when we say, Holy Spirit, teach me what do you want me to do right here in this moment, He will help us to literally not fall into that temptation. And uh, I think the one thing, if I could say something to uh, you if you're not a believer or you if you're young, one of the main uh, tactics of the enemy these days is to try to convince you that Christianity and Jesus is trying to keep you from good stuff. Man, there's all this stuff out there, but Christians don't do that. There's all these things that you, and it's so much fun, and Jesus doesn't want you to have it. Jesus is up there in heaven going, my people better not be having fun. That's, that's what you, I mean, it is over, and the Bible has a very specific answer to that. The Bible says there's a season of fun in sin. It is fun for a very short season to sin, but the end there is death. Jesus is not saying, hey, I know it's fun, but we're Christians and we don't do that. Jesus is saying, don't ruin your life. I love you too much to go down because I know where that path leads you. I know where that sin takes you. Do not go there. So he helps us to overcome temptation when we are led by the Spirit. So back to Luke chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. We're on number 5. What does he do? Uh, after the devil finished every temptation, he departed from him. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. So the fifth uh, uh, thing that Jesus gives you is he gives you power to live for him. He returned in the power. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. God gave us a spirit of power and love and of sound judgment. There is power in following God. I, I prayed this week because when you see power in the, in the Bible, in sermons, it's not necessarily power in the delivery. It's not necessarily everyone coming up to me afterwards and going, that was the best sermon. That's, that's not where the power is. The power is in God working in your hearts and in my heart as these words come out. It's not, it's not the, the, just the way that I crafted it, and there was just enough humor, and there was just enough conviction, and there was all these things, and there was turns and twists and really tweetable quotes along the way. It's none of that. It's the power of God working in your life to say, God, I want to see that. I want to feel that. I want to know your power in my life. So Jesus leaves from there, and in number 6, verse 15, he goes, and he was teaching in their synagogues. He was praised by everyone. Jesus begins at this point his teaching ministry, and through this point, throughout the book of Luke, you see him, and he says, I must go here. I must go here. He is very often enticed. People try to get him to do other things, and he goes, no, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing, and he goes. Jesus has a very specific plan. He even has a vision statement. In Luke 19, 10, I come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus has a vision of where his life is going. It will end up at the cross, and nothing will come in his way along the way. He has a vision for his life. One of my favorite verses about uh, what the Holy Spirit does, John uh, 16, 12, the second part of it says, He, this is the Holy Spirit, He will declare to you what is to come. It's a vision for your life. Here's, let me show you what I have for you in the future. What does God have? Now, this is different than being led day by day. This is a vision on the far end of saying, this is where I'm going. 
this is what it looks like in my life, this vision of my life. A vision is a clear mental picture of a godly future. That's what a vision is. And he shows you, here's what's happening. God has been showing me. I talked talk to you last week about the season of my life. God has been showing me vision for the next season of my life and things that are going on. Oh, I can't wait. I love it. And it helps you to make decisions day to day. It, well, that, that doesn't take me to my vision. No, that's, that's, that's not what I'm about. And he shows you this vision of your life. He'll show you this vision of raising your children. He'll show you this vision of your job. He'll show you this vision of your marriage. He'll show you this is what I have. This is what I want for you. Be filled with the Spirit. Follow Him and watch Him in your life. When I read that, and again, there's so much more that the Holy Spirit does. That's six. God can do everything. Man, I literally have spent multiple days just praying on my knees. God, I kneel before you. God, I exhale those things out of my life that you don't want. God, fill me with your spirit and help me to live for you today for your glory. God, help me to see your power in my life. Let's pray. Invite you right where you are. Whether it is a fresh infilling from God or you need it the very first time. The actions are the same. Will you submit and yield your life to Jesus Christ? Will you kneel before the holy God and say, you have all the power and authority. I follow you. Nothing in my life and nothing of who I am should remain. Help me to follow you. Will you right now excel out of your life? God, I exhale everything. God, I exhale all of the sin. God, I exhale the words that have not been pleasing to your ears. God, I exhale the thoughts of my own life. Will you now say, God, I pray that you will lead me as Lord. I pray that you will give me the promise of the Holy Spirit. In this moment, if that's you the very first time, the Bible says when you hear the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried in a tomb. Don't get over that. Jesus died for your sins, not for his actions. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he came alive according to Scripture. You will be saved. And then Ephesians 1.13 says you'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit. He will give you the Holy Spirit. So today, you can be filled with God and say, God, I want nothing of my life. I want all of yours, and I follow you. God, you don't get this part. You don't get Sundays from, you know, this hour of church. God, you get all. I follow you tomorrow at work. I follow you with my family. I follow you with my friends. And then finally, I will live for you. This is not a momentary emotional decision. This is, I will follow Christ. I won't do it perfectly. That's why I've got to continually be filled and exhale those things in my life that are, that are unpleasing. God, fill me today. Help me to live for you. Jesus, we want to follow you. God, but if we do it in our own power, and our own strength, and our own knowledge and wisdom, it's so... It's such not enough, Jesus. We need you. We need you to show us just every breath in and out, every step, everywhere our eyes gaze, every word that we hear. 
God, every emotion of our heart, every action with our body, help us to truly, truly yield to you, the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and let's in the power and the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, let's worship him today. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.